All right. Weekly text-based Tanya chapter. Nobody knows. Forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. Are we ready? Forty-two. Are people excited about forty-two? Okay. Everyone's invited to join us tonight in uh, Crown Heights for the uh, Vort for the Lachaim. So, if you want to, Lubavitch Yeshiva, officially at eight o'clock, but you know Brooklyn, you know. Okay. All right. So, starting in Perek Memalov, chapter forty-one. We started focusing on the emotions. Awe and love. And how to create awe and love. Very, very simply, how do you create emotions? By meditating. By meditating. Okay, good. I said very simple. That was very simple. Yes, that's right. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but that's the simple answer. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to continue to talk about all different shades and degrees of these emotions and various different meditations that we use to invoke these emotions. Let's go to Perigman Base. Perigman Base, Chapter 42. Based on what we've explained above about the lower level of awe. Remember we spoke about different levels of awe? Higher level, lower level. We can better understand what it says in the Gemara on the verse, and now, Israel. What does Hashem ask of you other than just to fear Hashem? There's a verse where it says, as if it's no big deal, and now, Yisrael, what does Hashem want from you? All he's asking you is just to fear him. He's just asking for all. And the Gemara asks the sensible question. Is Yira, is all really no big deal? A small matter? The way the verse phrases it makes it, sounds like, makes it sound like it's no big deal. So the Gemara answers, in Yes, yes, it is no big deal. From Moshe Rabbeinu, it's no big deal. And I guess the very literal context of that verse is that Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking. In fact, it's the, in Sefer Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking the whole time because Moshe Rabbeinu is the narrator of the whole Sefer Dvarim. <laughs> so the Gemara says, yeah, yeah, Moshe was just speaking on his own level. So he was saying it like the way he sees it. It's no big deal to have awe of Hashem. Yeah, but I know that's what the Gemara says, but at least the way that I'm reading the, the Gemara at first glance doesn't make sense because Moshe wasn't speaking to himself. He was speaking to the entire nation. So the, the Alter Rebbe asks, This answer the Gemara provides is seemingly not understood. It says, what's Hashem asking from you, from the Jewish nation? So the answer doesn't really make sense to say that 
awe of Hashem is no big deal for Meishu Rabbeinu, when Meishu Rabbeinu was speaking to the Jewish people. You hear the question? Okay, not a, it's not a difficult question to understand. Okay. Eloi but rather the answer, the explanation of the matter is, he called nefesh the nefesh Every single Jewish soul has within it a quality of Meishu because he is one of the seven shepherds. Who provide godliness to the Jewish souls, which is the reason why they are called shepherds. Like shepherds take care of the sheep and make sure the sheep are well fed. There are seven spiritual shepherds, Meishu Rabbeinu being the leader of them, the shepherd par excellence, who provide godly energy to the Jewish souls like a shepherd provides sheeply needs to a sheep. is, he calls them the klolos kulam. Not just he is the greatest of them, but he encompasses and embodies all of the other shepherds. In fact, he is referred to as, this is an Aramaic phrase from the Zohar, raya mehemna, raya is a raya is a Shepherd, Mehemna means Ne'amon. He is a faithful shepherd. Or you could read it also, it's a little double entendre. You could read it, a faithful shepherd, meaning a, she- a shepherd who is reliable and faithful and trustworthy. Or a shepherd of faith. What does he provide? Like a normal shepherd provides, I guess, grass and water and stuff that sheep like. So, Raya uh, Mehemna provides Jewish souls with the godly energy and the faith that they need to thrive. And more specifically, he gives them the quality of das so that they may know Hashem. Das is an intellectual faculty. We learned about it way back in chapter 3. Chachma Bina Das. Do you remember in chapter 3 what we said is the quality of Das. Remember we said Chochmah is the father and Bina is the mother. Das is the bridge to the emotions. It is an intellectual faculty, not an emotional faculty, but without it, the intellect will not lead to emotions, so you're getting warm. What were we saying? I think Das is um, what Oh, to know the difference? That's true, actually. Havchana discrimination, not in a bad way, but in a good way, um, is das. Like we, in the bracha in Shemin when we thank Hashem for giving us das, that's where we make havdalah. We make havdalah in the bracha of das, to know the difference. Yeah. Um, That's an aspect of das. What else do we know about das? Chapter 3. Say louder. Relationship. A relationship? Yeah. Why are you saying a relationship? That's good, but why are you saying it? Well, that's what the rabbi told us. Oh, you're just reading your notes. Okay. <laughs> okay, you took good notes. We had your, we busted out your notes last week. We put them, we made you famous, made your notes famous. We put them on camera. Yeah, I've combined reading 
Das does have Gvura and Chesed, yeah, because... An opinion, yeah, that was my word I made up for it, but yeah, and I say opinion because it's more subjective than just pure, objective, rational thought. But that's good. Opinion is good in this case because we want to get fired up. We want to have a, we want to be passionate about the subject. But what about the children? Children are love and awe. And they're offshoots. What? No. Love and awe are the children, the emotions. Chochman Bina are the father and the mother. The emotions, love and awe, and their offshoots are the children. Das is the connection between the father and the mother, like it says, Adam knew Eve. Das is the bond between the father and the mother that allows them to create children. Yeah. Is chapter 42 the first time the Tanya talks about shepherds? Probably. Why? Who are the others? I don't know anything about shepherds. Who yeah. are the others just shepherds? It's uh, Gemara in uh, Sukkah, I think Daf Nun base. But he doesn't mention them here, so probably not relevant. Is that good to be a shepherd? Um, you know, most Jewish mothers want their sons to be a doctor, but <laughs> you would have to ask Yechavit if she was happy that Maisha became a shepherd. She probably said, well, you're a shepherd, you work on a farm, wear overalls. Dovid's family also. He was a spiritual shepherd. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about sheep. Okay, listen, listen. I want to talk about Das. Das is an intellectual faculty, but it's not academic knowledge. You said opinion. Opinion is good, but you're quoting me from a year ago, so of course I like it. Yeah. Uh, das means... Experience. Yeah, that's a good word. Experiential knowledge as opposed to academic knowledge. Uh, it means being connected to a subject... Application is an aspect of Das, yes. Chachma is the initial inspiration, which can come. Bina is elaborative thought, but it's also in a, in a theoretical sense. Das is where, yeah, application. Das is where it becomes emotional. Um, no, because creative creativity can be can be purely in the abstract. Das is more practical, actually. Yeah. But let's say, let's say, I'm going to ask you a question. Let's say we're talking about knowledge of God. Okay? So let's say you have a lot of chokhmah about God, and you have a lot of bina about God. And you can become a uh, theologian. But das, if you have das, which would mean what? How would you describe that? Somebody who has a lot of das about Hashem. Yes, it becomes like a real relationship. It's integrated, that's a good word. It's a real relationship. It's not something like theology. It's not, it's not abstract. It, it, becomes a, if, yeah, it becomes part of who you are. It becomes a, a real lived experience. 
Well, that's the whole subject of Fedek Membeis, so you're in the right place. Okay? So he starts off, remember, let's just review. He starts off and he says, the Gemara says, and what does, oh, oh Israel, what does God ask of you other than to fear him? And the Gemara says, what? It makes it sound like it's no big deal. And the Gemara answers, yeah, from Meishu Rabbeinu, it's no big deal. And then the, the Alter Rebbe says, yeah, but we're not talking to Meishu Rabbeinu, we're talking to, to everyone. And then the Alter Rebbe says, well, you guys with me? We all have a piece of Meishu Rabbeinu within us. Oh, that's so cool. What is that? Describe it. What is the aspect of Meishu Rabbeinu which is within us? Not the love and fear. N- not the faith. No. The das. The das, the fact that you have the ability to connect to the subject of godliness in a very personal way, that is Meishu Rabbeinu operating within you, and that's how you attain the awe of Hashem. So because you have that aspect of Meishu Rabbeinu within you, then it is attainable to have awe of Hashem. So this is what he says, that Meishu Rabbeinu is the Bechinas Hadas L'chol Yisro, Leidas Hashem, I'm repeating what we read, each according to their level of comprehension and the level of their soul root above, meaning it, it does vary. It's not going to be the same for all of us because there are different levels of intellect, different levels of spirituality. And this... Das gets its nurture from the soul of Meisha. Which Meisha's soul in turn is rooted in the sphere of Das in Atzila. Which in turn is one with the emanator, meaning Hashem himself. Because he, Hashem, and his Das, and all of his attributes for that matter, are entirely one. Like we said earlier, he is the knower, the knowledge, and that which is known. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's the official way to refer to him, yeah. Okay? How are we doing? You understanding? Okay. The eight says yes al And furthermore. Behold over there, Yerdin Nitzutzen, Minishmus may should have been all of a shalom, Mislabshin Beguf, and Nefeshel Chachmea der Enia Ida. In every generation, sparks of Meshurabenu's soul come down into this world and invest themselves in the bodies and souls of the, of the uh, sages of that generation, who are referred to as the eyes of the congregation. 
lelamet das hasa'am, they teach knowledge of God to the people. Velay the gedulas Hashem, they teach the people to know the greatness of God. Lo'av de belev v'nefesh, and how to serve Hashem with their full hearts and souls. So now we've introduced the second aspect. One is that every one of us has a Moshe Rabbeinu quality within us, which is specifically our capacity to have real, a subjective, personal knowledge of God. Of course, it varies according to all of our different levels. It's not uniform, but every one of us has it to some capacity, and that is the Moshe within us. And then we, we introduced the second concept, which is, furthermore, there are certain figures in every generation who, uh, who act as the embodiment of Moshe Rabbeinu. In what sense are they Moshe-like? Don't get all confused with all the other qualities of Moshe that you know about, because we're not talking about any of them except for one specific function of Moshe Rabbeinu, which was the teacher, right? But don't get too literal when we say shepherd, okay? Shepherd means not even a teacher like somebody who gives you information, but a coach, a facilitator, somebody who brings out your capacity to know Hashem, okay? So we both have a Moshe Rabbeinu in us, as well as there are Moshe Rabbeinu-like figures in every generation who perform a similar role. The point here is that Hashem has given us access to these tools, both internally and externally, so that we can have knowledge of Hashem. Okay. Ki Serving Hashem with the heart requires das. In fact, it's according to the das. Like it says, no, K-N-O-W, no, da, the God of your father and serve him, subsequently serve him with a full heart and a desirous soul. And in the future, in the Messianic future, it says, No longer will one man teach his fellow and say, No Hashem. Because they will all directly know me. They will all have personal, experiential knowledge of God. They will no longer need a teacher when Mashiach comes. Because it will become empirically evident to all. Following? Okay. However, the main place or the main way to get this das and the main way to use it, I guess, also. It's not just knowledge. Where you know the greatness of Hashem through teachers and books. Elohoikahu, but rather the main thing is, where do you get it? Sign me up. Where can I get my supply? To delve deeply 
into the greatness of Hashem. And to affix your thought strongly and with uh, a mighty heart and mind, meaning focus. Until your thought is strongly tied up with a strong knot to Hashem. Just like your mind can be attached very or affixed very strongly on a physical thing that you see with your physical eyes and then you focus and concentrate on it. Like we know, das is also connection, like it says, and Adam knew Eve, meaning marital intimacy. So what did we just say here? The main place to get your das, the main way to muster up das, is not to go find a new supply of information, not from sofrim or sforim, from teachers or books. It's important to have teachers and books, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is what? To think about it. So it's not the what, it's the how. It's what you do with it. It's how you use it. A person can have a lot of information. They can be able to write books on Jewish theology and even on mystical ideas and have very little das. What is Das? He, he just described it. It's when you focus on something so that it is as real to you as when you are affixed on a physical thing that you're seeing with your physical eyes and you're, you're, you're concentrating on it. So you take an abstract concept and you focus on it in your mind's eye. And I don't necessarily mean visualization because I don't think it has to be specifically visual thought. There are different ways of thinking. But the point is the focus, the degree of focus, of unbroken concentration. Don't say that I came to a Tanya class for two years and I heard a lot of cool stuff and I know a lot of stuff. That's all true. That's all true. But that's not Das. Das is when you've put in the time to focus deeply and to have an experience. Just like if you go on a trip and you go spend time somewhere and you take in the sights and the sounds, now you've had an experience, which is way different than, let's say, reading a Wikipedia article about a place. Or like in the old days when you used to order from AAA and get the, the maps. <laughs> Remember that? The triptych. You used to get the triptych and you would, oh, that looks really cool. What did we do when we got lost? Remember that? You'd have to find a gas station. Remember that? You go to a gas station. We didn't get a man to ask for instructions. Yeah, men don't ask for instructions. That's right. Okay. So... If you go someplace and you actually 
spend time there and you have an experience there. That's way different than just reading about it. <clears throat> All right, so that's what we're talking about here. We're saying it's not just that you have good information or good teachers. It's that you spend time experiencing these concepts in a personal way, in a subjective way. That's Das. Now this, he calls it Koyach, which is a, a potential or a power, and Mida, an attribute. To be able to connect yourself, connect your Das to Hashem. Is present within every Jewish soul. By virtue of its connection to the soul of Meshrabeinu. So you have a direct line to Meshrabeinu, and that functions in your particular experience as a Mesha like faculty. However, since, after all, your soul is invested in a body, and we know what embodiment does to the soul, you need toil, lots of toil, mighty doubled and redoubled toil. you got to work on it. It's not going to come easily, even though it's there, even though it's hardwired. The embodiment masks over it. Remember, you're getting inundated with all of the sensory input. That's why when the Alter Rebbe said, you want to know what Das is? It's fixating on a spiritual concept, so so it's so real to you, it's like a physical object that you're staring at. Why do you think he uses that as his analogy? Because physical objects that you stare at are very real to us, at least in in our embodiment state. So the point is, all the input that we're getting from our five senses is overloading our capacity. And if you want to be able to tune in to godly knowledge and use your Moshe Rabbeinu like Das, you're going to have to toil to tap into it. And now he's going to talk about the process of toiling to tap into it. Hoachas, the first thing, he yigias basar. It's called toil of the flesh. What's toil of the flesh? To beat up the body. Don't get scared. To beat up the body. This is like we used the same word back in chapter 29. To beat up the body and subjugate it so it doesn't obscure the light of the soul. Like we said above in the name of the Holy Zayar in chapter 29. A soul that doesn't cause the body to catch a flame with the passion of the soul, we got to break it up like a log that's too thick and too coarse to catch, catch a flame, we splinter it. How do you beat up your body? You go throw yourself into a wall. You go to a mosh pit at a punk rock concert. How do you beat up your body? No, it's through through thinking about 
sincere thoughts of repentance. Like it explains over there in chapter 29, beating up the body doesn't mean physically, like mortification of the flesh rituals. It doesn't mean that. Beating up the body means to mentally take stock and think about how much trouble it has caused you to let your body's whims ru run your life. It's related, well, very good. You mentioned Tim Timolev, yeah, because that was chapter 29. It's not the same as it, but it has the same treatment. The same treatment. So the first thing is, you have to take stock and be like, you know what, I don't want to be a person who's run by my body. I don't want my physical comfort to dictate how I, how I live my life. It's not good. So that's called Yegias Basa. And of course, the reason why we're doing this Yegias Basa is what's the point? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it? I just want to, if I'm going to do it, I just want to know why I'm doing it. Why am I doing it? To enhance meditation. Well, ultimately, to enhance meditation is okay, all so these chapters. It's more specific. To, to, to tap into the Maishra Bain apart, which is there, but it's covered up. Okay, so, okay, good. Thank you. I just want to make sure we held on to the context. Okay. Vahashenis. And the second thing I've got to do as far as toil. He yegiyas hanafish, it's called toil of the soul. Shalaytich badalaho aveda liyageya machshavta lahamik lizbein b'gidul Hashem shogdei l'ritzufa. Toil of the soul means to not allow myself to be overwhelmed by the work that I need to do to strain my thought and deepen my connection to thinking about the greatness of Hashem for a long time, he calls it a shog tzufa. For, you know, sit for an hour and think about God. That's called Yigiyas HaNafesh. So Yigiyas HaBasar is thinking about how I don't like my body to run my life and allowing myself to experience sincere remorse and contrition. Yigiyas HaNafesh is to sit down and think for a long time about the greatness of God. They're both mental exercises. You just you understand the difference between them? Yeah? Is it very clear the difference between the mental exercises? You guess how busser is I'm thinking about? Yehure Chuva, because I don't want my body to run my life. You guess how nafish is I sit down and I think for a long time about, about God. Because I do want that to run my life. Okay. Fine. Good. And the point of, of both of these mental exercises is to clear away any of the stuff that's covering up my Mesha-like das. Okay. Kishur Shazu. This amount, this hour that he refers to. Sit down and think about God for an hour. Moment of silence. Enei Shava Bechol Nefesh. It's not the same for every soul. Yesh Nefesh Zaka Bativa. You have a soul which is more inherently refined. You know, some people are just more inherently refined. That immediately when they meditate on God, they immediately attain awe and dread of God. Like it says at the very beginning of Shulchan Aruch, it says, This is a quote from Shulchan Aruch. When he meditates about 
the king, the king of all kings, the Holy One, blessed be he, Asher, Malaychalodis Kvede, whose entire Whose, whose glory fills the entire world. Even all of the Rebbe is standing over him, watching his deeds. Immediately, he will experience Yira. He'll experience awe. Yeah, so some people, they get that immediate Yira. But then there's a lower level soul. He was just born that way. He comes from, he's hewn out from a lower level of the ten spheres of Asiya. He's not from Atsilas, he's from Asiya. He's a lower soul root. And he can't get himself to think about godliness except with real strain. Especially if then, not only he comes from a low soul root, but he exacerbated his spiritual condition by defiling himself with the sins of youth. Sins of youth is a euphemism for sins of an intimate nature, indiscretions as we call them. So, not, we're not here to make people feel shame, but we're just reminding you that any of this stuff we spoke about this in chapter 29, okay? Any of this stuff will exacerbate the situation as far as making it less accessible to have das, das of Hashem. So we're going to have to clear that away. It just means you have more gunk to clear away. And you're going to have to have more yigiyah, more toil. As we know, the sins separate. Says, go look it up in Sefer Chassidim, chapter 35. Nevertheless, if you'll strain, if you'll work hard, if you'll really strain your thought and you work hard, and to think deeply about God for a long time, if you'll do that, then you will for sure at least experience the lower level of awe that was explained above. Like the sages say, If someone says, I have toiled and I have found, believe them. So you might have to toil first, but if you toil, you will find. You will arrive at the goal and the goal is what? Well, uncovering the measure like quality is part of the process. The ultimate goal is to get the awe. The awe. The awe. The awe. Good. Like it says, Im tivakshenu kekasif chumatmenim tachpesenu if you seek it out like silver and you search it out like hidden treasure. You ever see that movie, The Mad, 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 Mad World, when they're looking for the treasure <laughs> under the big W? You know what I'm talking about? That's what I always think about. If you search it out like treasure. Razel knows what I'm talking about. One person knows what I'm talking about. What? I'm wise beyond my years. <laughs> They were going crazy. They were looking for this treasure. Yeah. A Tisha Bob will watch it. A movie night. Tisha Bob. 
But they were going crazy looking for this treasure. Okay, so if you seek it out like silver and like a treasure, like a buried, actually, matamayna means a hidden treasure, just like in it's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> if you seek it out. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's probably public domain already, so I don't think they're capable of sponsoring anything. Okay. If you seek it out like hidden treasure, Oz Tovin Yiras Hashem, then you will understand awe of God. Pirush, that me Paula, what are you doing? You're repeating the whole plot of it's a mad, 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 mad world? You're calling Avi? You're telling him that I referenced it's a mad, 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 mad world? Okay. Why don't you tell Avi to come to the Chaim tonight, and we'll talk about it tonight at the Chaim. Okay. Okay. We'll make a remake. Okay. All right. Kedichsev, I said that. Pirush, what is the meaning? Kederech shemechapes adam matmin ve'etzra tamid. Just like a person seeks out a hidden treasure that is buried in the depth of the earth, and he digs after it with intense toil. So too, you have to dig. Can you dig it? You have to... <laughs> No, actually, that was a, my Kavana with Can You Dig It was the Warriors from the 80s. Cyrus's monologue, Can You Dig It. So too you have to dig with intense toil to reveal the treasure of Yiras Shemayim. Which is hidden in the binas halev, the understanding of the heart of every Jewish soul, and it exists above time. It is the same concept as what we learned way back, chapter 18, 19, about the innate instinctive love that is hidden, latent within the Jewish soul. So in other words, it is there but it's a hidden treasure. But if you knew there was a hidden treasure, you go with your pickaxe and your shovel, and you go crazy, and you start trying to find it. Well, I'm telling you, there's a treasure. Is that bait and switch? Should we put out like a text? Come to the Tanya class and find out you have a treasure. And then we'll reveal a treasure of Yerushalayim, and there'll be a riot. <laughs> treasure of Yerushalayim. Yeah. Increase well, you'll you'll tell that when they start taking hostages. When they, yeah, so the treasure, the real treasure was the Yerushalayim, really. That's, but it's interesting because I don't have an answer to this question. But in order to appreciate the treasure of Yerushalayim, you already have to have a modicum of Yerushalayim. But the premise here is, it's a very interesting concept here. Let's presume, for the sake of argument, that your goal is to have a deeper 
connection to Hashem. And that you understand that the way we connect to Hashem chiefly is through love and through awe. And right now we're focusing on awe. As we said back in chapter 41, awe is the foundational emotion. Love is built on top of that. So let's say you appreciate that and you're like, okay, great, sign me up. I want to have awe of Hashem. So the message here is that what you need to achieve that, not only what you need to achieve it, what you need to achieve it is your toil, putting in the sweat equity of focusing and thinking, um, but also not just what you need to achieve it, but the, the object itself, that which you seek itself, is within you. So it's all internal. It's all built in. And it's just a process of, of discovering, literally discovering, uncovering. You're not, you're not waiting for some enlightenment to be imported into you from somewhere else. It's all within you. But you have to, you have to toil. And primarily the toil we're talking about is focused, concentrated thought, which is rare today because we all have devices which have completely whittled away at our attention span. It's very hard to focus for very long. But that's how you, that's how you reveal the, the treasure of Yiddishamayim is through focused, concentrated thought. But I have hope in humanity because I see, you know, people still worry and they still focus on their worries for hours at a time. So they do have the capacity, <laughs> right? People can catastrophize for hours about how their life is going to hell. So we still apparently do have the capacity to focus on one thought for a prolonged period of time. So, yeah, we just have to... Oh, is it coming back into vogue? Okay. Okay. Even the malingering angels? The malingering angels. <laughs> what? Call it meditation? You mean to make it more appealing to people? Yeah, it depends who, who your crowd is. You bring your yoga mat and put it on the floor. You think we would have more people in tiny class if we, if people see us on Central Avenue bringing mats in? No, I don't think so. No, no. I don't know. It won't be us. No, I'm saying to bring in a, a whole different crowd. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Soul Words merch, yeah. That's great. That's a good idea. Coffee cup. That's good thinking. Okay. Okay, let, let's do a few more lines here today. However, in order to bring this emotion, so you, you tap into your treasure. But to bring this emotion into Yiraschet, Yiraschet means fear of sin, which he calls practical, maiset, practical. Meaning to go away from evil in thought, speech, and action. In other words, to translate this fear into some type of actual behavioral quality. All right, because it's not enough that it remains an emotion and has to actually 
have practical significance, which would be that it would be a source of motivation to inhibit and curb one's behaviors so that they will be in alignment with God's will. So in order to make that transfer, you have to tap into the treasure that is in the bina of the heart, the understanding of the heart, which is above time. This is the second time he's mentioned this, that it's above time. And to bring it into thought, he calls it machshava mamish, literal thought, substantial thought in your brain. That means to think about it for a while. Until it becomes transferred from potential into actuality. In other words, what does it mean? Actuality. To go away from evil in your behaviors and to do good in your behaviors. In thought, speech, and action. Because of Hashem who is staring and looking and listening and hearing and understanding all of your deeds. And He is searching and testing your innards and your heart. Like the sages say, Think about, that means, histakal literally means stare at, but mentally be transfixed upon three ideas. Eye in Roya, there's an eye that sees, there's an ear that hears, etc. And then you will be able to behave yourself. So what he's saying here is that the ultimate purpose of this yira that we're tapping into is that it translates into behavioral motivation. And we always come back to the practical stuff. As lofty as our discussions are in Tanya, we always come back to practical stuff. How is this going to inform our behavioral choices? So what's the purpose of this Yiras Hashem? It sounds so lofty, but ultimately the practical purpose of this Yiras Hashem is that it will serve as sufficient motivation to modify our behaviors to be in line with Hashem's will. Yeah. Shalomayla Mahazman. Yeah, why does he say? So, why does he keep saying that, that, that this quality is above time? <laughs> the quality itself is, is spiritual, and it is not confined to the limitations of space and time. However, our experience of it, and remember, the whole point here is the personal experience, is by definition within space and time. So, I'll think for an hour about an idea which is eternally true. It's almost like a paradox, right? But what I'm doing is I'm trying to connect to something that's timeless, something that's eternal, um, and bring it into now, which is almost like an oxymoron, with the ultimate intent, as a result, that it will serve as motivation to 
change my behaviors. Yeah. 